Welcome to CouncilCast, news bites and insights from the Council of Insurance Agents and Brokers. I'm Brianne Spillane, Director of Communications and Content Strategy at the Council. I'm joined today by Stephen Handmaker, CMO of Assurance Agency based in Chicago. Stephen recently presented to our Marketing and Communications Working Group about social media strategy and social selling support and is here to talk with us about his experience educating his firm's producers about best practices for prospecting, selling, and engaging with businesses and individuals on social media. Stephen, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Before we get into the specific aspects of social selling, let's start with social media generally. How is Assurance Agency approaching social media in terms of its own goals? So social media generally, uh, for Assurance anyway, is really driven around a few primary objectives, right? We're using various social media channels um, to do a few very specific things. We're trying to uh, drive digital traffic to our website for lead generation. And that's almost first and foremost what we're trying to do with social media. We are certainly on a more broad basis looking to build brand loyalty among our clients and business partners, um, all of which you know is an effort to enhance the, the overall client experience and be looked at as a trusted risk advisor. I mean, that's pretty broad. And certainly we're looking to uh, use social media to share our culture and recruit top talent and make them interested in becoming a part of our organization. So all of those are the primary goals that we, we use social media for. And of course, you know, there's there's secondary things that would all include social listening and connecting with the press where relevant and and uh, doing other forms of social customer service. But, um, but by and large, make no mistake, it's about talent and new business. Sure. So where does social selling fit into all of that? All right. So social selling uh, at Assurance, you know, is about using social networks and other digital channels to to identify, connect with, to nurture and engage potential prospects by by establishing trust and rapport through regular communication. It's you know, it's really no different than the same work a good sales professional has been doing offline probably their whole career. Now there's just some new avenues to extend that to the online world and, uh, and have some good streamlined success. So, uh, so that's how we look at social selling and, and you know, the goal is ultimately the same. You know, you want to take those meaningful relationships that you've established even online and be the person or the company that's top of mind when somebody is thinking, I have, I have an issue, I might need to make a change. Now, you do social selling training with your producers specifically. How did that come about? Were they disconnected in any way, shape, or form with the overall strategy? Well, I don't know that they would have uh, identified themselves as disconnected, but I suppose we identified ourselves as disconnected from them. It's uh, probably not a big, I wouldn't imagine we're unique, let's say that, in, in adopting a social media strategy that was very much what I laid out earlier and just assuming that everyone naturally would do everything we wanted or hoped off of it. Um, and uh, maybe that was a little short-sighted on my marketing team's part, that, uh, that we did see some great partnership and early success with human resources, particularly around the recruiting. I mean, it's, 
it's a rarity now that you would ever sit down with anybody who's you're thinking of coming to work for you and they haven't already identified the fact that they've been crawling all over your Facebook or your Instagram feed to, to find out what your culture is like and to, to have done that research. And so we know that that's working and that's a big part of that process. Where we weren't seeing the extension happen was uh, when we were talking with our producers about how they were using, let's say, how were they, they were using LinkedIn as a channel to extend their selling efforts. Uh, it was perhaps a little bit more disconnected than we would have thought to the work we were trying to do on LinkedIn. So we recognized there was an opportunity to make sure we figure out what a training program should look like and uh, try and put some meat around that. Yeah, and I think there's there's got to be some um, distinction between being disconnected and, and just being plain uncomfortable. Not many people are, are comfortable in the social media world, not everybody is a digital native, not everybody grew yes. up with a phone or a device in their hand. So um, based on the average age of the insurance producer today, did that play it at does. all into what you were trying to do? Yeah, certainly. And, and I'm sure that's true. And, and yes, everyone's got an example where it's, you know, where one of my oldest producers is also one of my most socially savvy. And we all have those. Generally, it is fair to say that those, certainly those really actively looking to build their books of business and who skew younger are a bit more comfortable uh, taking advantage of some of the, the digital uh, social opportunities that are there versus the others. But I do think um, the notion of comfort is important. And it's important to sit down and have those conversations uh, about why, why would somebody join LinkedIn to begin with? And what is... As a business professional, what's my expectation now that I've joined LinkedIn? You know, I, I'm not joining it so that I could hide, right? And, and I think putting, you know, that mindset on of, no, I'm joining it because I, I do want to connect with other professionals. Uh, and I want to learn and meet other professionals. But, of course, I have to be proven and shown that it makes sense. And that's a part, you know, that's constantly lost. I, you know, I... As a user, I don't accept an invitation from just anybody. Uh, and I would almost never accept an invitation from somebody I don't know without a personal note. Um, and then just because it's a personal note doesn't mean I'll accept it unless they give me a good reason why I can imagine that there's no harm and, in fact, it might be useful to me. But the number of times that I get requests that don't have that included is obscene. And so sometimes it's just helping people understand that, that that most of the business owners and decision makers that my salespeople would love to connect with who exist on LinkedIn are there because they're okay being connected with in the right meaningful way. Uh, and it's a positive to the relationship, not a negative. Right. Um, on that note, tell us about Assurance's key channels. Um, you have target audiences specifically, and I would imagine core goals for your training program. Okay. Take us through some of that. Yeah, so uh, the channels are, I recognize, you know, you can count in the double digits what people consider to be social media, but for ease and simplicity, I mean, we have boiled it down to focus on four key channels. We do focus um, on Facebook and Instagram, and really those are almost explicitly aimed at our employees and potential employees. So, I mean, those are real looks into our culture. And that's the information that we're sharing through those channels. But then we use LinkedIn and Twitter 
as well, and the use of LinkedIn and Twitter is really around uh, connecting with, uh, with business professionals uh, in a way that um, is, is demonstrating our expertise and our, uh, our knowledge, and, and that's what we use those channels for. So, uh, so we have Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. We have a map, and we know every piece of content that gets laid out across those has to reach back up to one of the core goals for the core audiences. On that um, front, with so many producers um, in so many different channels and different audiences, if you will, how exactly do you monitor what's going on and, and who's doing it right and who's um, extra training? Right. Well, we are fortunate on our marketing team. I mean, we do have somebody who is um, singularly responsible for our social media uh, execution against our strategy. So that's super helpful. And, she is a digital native and somebody who's really plugged into this. So she does a lot of uh, looking around and listening. Uh, also, we have marketing professionals uh, in my team who do partner with producers on various uh, industry niches. And so they also have their eyes to this and they're checking out what's happening, uh, reporting back to us when they see there are opportunities or things that, let's say, are happening or aren't happening. Um, and we're, we're, we're using all of that information to to help build out what our education program needs to look like and how we want to structure it. What are the main lessons of the program? Yeah, so um, at this point, I would tell you that we've generally boiled it down. And, you know, and I don't, I put this out here, as you and I you know, referenced before, I don't want to make it sound like we have this wonderfully figured out and it's humming along for years and years. And we're really in our first year of having built this, and I suspect we'll continue to perfect it. But... That being said, the, uh, the program is boiled down right now to 10 lessons. Uh, they certainly all interconnect. Uh, but these are the things we, we think salespeople truly do need to understand to maximize their social selling efforts. So, uh, you know, I could run, you know, running through them quickly. You know, lesson one is about being the expert. How do you come across as an expert, be it an industry expert, a product expert, whatever that expertise is you're trying to demonstrate, and you can demonstrate online, what's the best way to go about that? And there are very specific ways to do that through LinkedIn and Twitter to use the mediums properly uh, to make you that expert. Lesson number two is about you know thinking about how you engage with your clients and prospects just in the day-to-day -day course of doing business. And, and yes, it is about liking and it's about commenting and sharing posts, you know, helping you stay top of mind. But once again, there's a right way to do that, and there's a wrong way to do that. So what is the right way? Well, that's something we want to teach and talk about. We talk about understanding that at LinkedIn, and we believe it is at this point, is the best professional connecting social tool out there. Do you know how to use it well? And that goes to things like what is the advanced search options that LinkedIn provides you? How do you best research profiles? And look at those profiles and glean things from it that you can then use and regurgitate socially to connect and, and move a relationship forward. There are things that you can do. Um, how do you use LinkedIn to uh, look at your connections, connections, and not just those you have in common, but those you'd like to know that aren't currently in your network? Uh, lesson six is about asking for introductions from those either be it mutual connections or connections you don't know. And we believe and we teach uh, essentially the notion that while LinkedIn is really good up to that point, 
when it comes to reaching out and saying, I'd really love to get connected to somebody else, even though I know LinkedIn promotes and preaches that you can do that through the system, we believe that's when it's time to take the conversation offline. For you to reach out via phone, um, in person, how, whatever the mechanism is to those folks to start to say, all right, I'd really love to make connections from people you know, and, uh, and here's why, and here's the benefit, and can we agree to a, a path to do that? So, um, so I think that's the point where it goes offline. But there are times when it's necessary to use LinkedIn to send unsolicited messages. So another lesson is all about what are those messages, what are examples, and we build templates and things like that to make it available. Uh, and then, you know, and then if you broad one sort of round out, you know, how do you, how can you continue to nurture relationships on social media in new and interesting ways? What are other opportunities to take relationships offline apart from just getting introductions? So we have some of those spelled out. And um, how can you, in your social media efforts as a salesperson, as a producer, partner with your strategic referral networks that you might already have built up and how do you help each other on your social channels uh, in a way that maybe you're not doing today so so we have uh, this series of essentially like 10 lessons that we built that we think don't actually take a huge time commitment from a here's how I can spend my day actively trying to get new business but if you do these things I think uh, over time we, we believe the, the reward is immense um, you have your own experience with social selling actually leading to a business opportunity yeah. for a person who you didn't really know. Yeah, I tell this story a lot, yeah. <laughs> and you, you mentioned earlier that he simply shared and commented on relevant content, and that's really all it took. Tell us about that. Yeah. This probably goes back a few years to me having connected with somebody uh, at a conference. And it was the kind of connection where somebody, you know, you meet them for five minutes and they you know, grab your business card and tell you they want to connect with you. And, uh, and and like many people at the conference, I didn't pay much attention to it. And then the next week, this person did what a good salesperson would do. They, they reached out to me uh, in an email, but they also connected with me. And at the time, they connected with me on LinkedIn. They followed my account on Twitter. And by the way, they sent me a Facebook request. This was maybe the first time anybody in business you know, seem to have the gall, if you will, to send me a Facebook request. And it was, it just kind of, for whatever reason that day, I accepted them all. You know, I, okay, sure, why not? And what's the, what's the harm, essentially? And then I really didn't think that much about this person beyond that, you know, for anything. Other than the fact that over the course of the next year and a half or so, every day, I would see them post content about you know, I won't mention what the subject is, but post content about the topic that struck me as consistent and impressive. And I began to associate them with this topic, even though I think in retrospect, everything that they posted was nothing that they wrote or thought of on their own. But they would actually post, you know, hey, this article was in Inc. Magazine and talked about X, really loved their point here, you know, share. And they would do that for, did you catch this in USA Today about X? You know, I think they're really honest. Whatever it was, over time, I began to believe they were the biggest expert on the subject completely. And what the amazing thing is then, about a year and a half later, I had a friend call me 
uh, and he was trying to hire a speaker for a big conference he was doing. And he said, do you know anybody who's an expert in this subject? And I said, I do. Oh, my God, you have to hire this person for your conference. They'd be a great speaker. And they said, well, great. How did you know them? And I said, I don't really know them. <laughs> And well, what kind of person are they? I said, you know what? I met them for fun. I have no idea. Have you ever done business with them? Nope. So I don't understand. What are you saying? I'm like, you know what? I know this sounds crazy, but you want to know who I think is an expert? And I've watched this person essentially talk about nothing else for the past year and a half. And they might be a killer, a child mo- I mean, They could be a horrible, horrible <laughs> human being, but I'm willing to bet that they're who you should talk to. Sure enough, he reached out. Talked to the person, hired him to do this big conference, and I'm sure this person, I got no referral fee or not much of a thank you even, but in you know, but in amazing fashion, it dawned on me the power of both consistency and 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 specificness, and and I began to associate and I really start to think about what's possible for people in insurance, particularly insurance sales, who really do have niche expertise in an industry really are product-specific experts, at the, their ability to use this tool to brand themselves and make themselves stand out so that everybody in their professional network immediately says, you know what, when I have an issue with that, that's who I need to talk to. Yeah, I would imagine that's the difference between good social selling and bad social selling in, in regards to what's the difference between how to do it well and just a digital, uninformed cold call. You know, you, you get yourself out there and... Yes, you do. And, and of course, a lot of it, in many interesting ways, is about giving to get. We, we talk about that a lot, which is really what the best thing you can do on social media. What can I do for you? How can I educate you? How can I make you smarter? How can I be there to facilitate and offer help uh, before I try and sell you? And, and usually, one leads to the other in a much more natural and, and meaningful way. Right. A lot of it has got to be about uh, breaking through a certain mentality and having some accountability as well. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. Um, is the training you offer required for your producers? So I would tell you it's somewhere in the world of required. Uh, we begin by um, all new producers who started assurance are onboarded with a real look at social media and how we, how we expect them to, to go about this with us. We help them upgrade their profiles and do things like that. Uh, we also put all of our producers through regular, continual, advanced sales training, which is really um, always helping them stay sharp, understand um, new tools and resources that are out there. So we have built this into that advanced sales training process, which is kind of cool. Uh, the, the one person that we have who's our social expert is really um, actively doing a lot of one-on-one training with these folks and they're really benefiting by the personal expertise and, in some cases, some of that accountability uh, holding as well that she's able to do with them. Um, I would imagine with the speed at which this technology changes, as you just referenced, that, that regular refresher classes are effective. Is this a quarterly type of class? or? Yeah, so we do uh, the advanced sales training happen five times a year. The one-on-ones we're trying to get to at least twice a year. And, and there's enough repetition happening. Uh, we're also sending out weekly tips. So all of our salespeople get weekly social media tips of things that they can try, other techniques that they might employ. All of which is, you know, it, we understand that we, and, and we have very successful salespeople. We don't, you know, we don't want anybody to necessarily stop 
being, uh, you know, the tools and the mechanisms that have made them successful thus far. But I will tell you that there is a tremendous opportunity that these social channels have opened up to work smarter, not harder, to really build a brand quicker in some ways than you could have ever hoped to do offline. Uh, there's some really shortcut tools, if you will, to building a reputation that if you don't take advantage of them, I think you're going to slowly get left behind. Well, that sounds like a great way, as you said, Stephen, work smarter and not necessarily harder. That's very good information, and we thank you very much for joining us, and thank you all for tuning in. This is CouncilCast, news bites and insights from the Council of Insurance Agents and Brokers.